chapter 20, and we're going to start at verse 11. But Mary stood outside by the tomb, weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. So it took some effort for Mary to do what anybody would have done if they were inquisitive at the time. They would have stooped to see something because they were obviously not in, she was obviously not in a position to see what she was looking for. And she was looking for the body of Jesus. And the two angels in white, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. That must have been a sight to see. Such a divine and majestic vision just to try to interpret, understand what you were looking at, because obviously they looked like her understanding of angels. She didn't say two men. She said two angels. The Bible records two angels. So we are to believe that there was an angel at the head and at the foot of Jesus. But an interesting choice of words that the two angels were at, and the Bible records this, you can look this up, where Jesus had lain. So we're talking about the past. He was there in one moment, and he's gone in the next. Mary's still trapped in the vision of her past and what she wanted to see, which is why she was... And here we go. And then they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And that is the title of today's message. Why are you crying? Why are you sad? Because you don't understand what has transpired, what has taken place. This was a prophetic moment. All scriptures, scriptures, hundreds, thousands probably, pointing to this hour, to this time. But Mary was overcome with grief. See, she, she wasn't happy that he had risen. She was upset that he was missing still following traditions, still following Jewish uh, laws and regulations. But Jesus was in the process. He was, he was resurrected, but he wasn't completely resurrected or ascended because he wouldn't let her touch him. And there was a reason for that, because he had not yet ascended, that was what the Bible records, but we can also understand through the power of the Holy Spirit, the world, the filth and the sin of the world cannot touch the divine and the holy. But at this, at this time, that, that, that's not was what's going through her mind. 
she was overcome with grief. She was overcome with sadness. But we step back from this just, just for a little bit. There is no sadness in this time. We know what Jesus has gone through. We know what, uh, what, what Jesus, the torture that Jesus went through at the hands of the Romans at the time. But there is no sadness. We rise from that place of once being part of the world where we're overcome by grief and we're overcome by sadness because of what we are going through, the emotions that are being dealt to us or the things that we don't understand. Because Mary was the poster child for not understanding what was in front of her. The time, the heralding, the what, what is this bringing? And it wasn't just to her understanding or to the community's understanding. This was a cosmic cataclysm of an event. This is why it's there are so many people that don't understand Jesus and what was done at the cross. Many times people say uh, the redemptive work at the cross. That's a big word if you don't know that you were redeemed. But at this point, what we know, we take a look at sadness. Why are you crying? He's in the process of completing what you will need. And then on verse 15 from the Bible, it says, for whom are you looking? Who are you looking for? Who are you looking for? It is connected to what are you looking for? You just can't look for a who. You got to look for a what. The who is connected to the what. When you find Jesus, that, that's what you're looking for. He is who you are looking for, but salvation is what you ultimately get. You're looking for a man. This is no man. This is no ordinary time. By looking for Jesus, you might find something that you didn't intend to find. I might be speaking to somebody out in Facebook land or somebody listening to the audio version of this message. But if you're looking for Jesus, you will find something that you did not intend to find. You may be looking for happiness and for peace, but you will find salvation. Salvation is not connected to peace. Salvation is connected to being saved so that you can spend eternity in your Father, in the Father's presence. Still going to go through life. You're still going to you're still going to get cut, and you're still going to get bruises. You're going to have a headache or two, backache. You might catch the flu, or you might not. 
But when you find Jesus, when you find that he is no longer in the tomb, he is about his father's business. And that is restoring you. It's all about the restoration of you. Well, Pastor Rick, I've been a good Christian. It has nothing to do with that. Pastor Rick, I've been a Christian for 50 years or 50 minutes. It has nothing to do with that. It's so that you may understand that Jesus completed a work that the Father had directed from the foundation of time because he didn't want one to be lost. Why are you crying? I know somebody's out there crying. I'm not, I'm not worth it. I hear this. I'm not worthy way too often. And this is from Christians. You are worthy. That's why Jesus died on the cross, is because you are worthy. He didn't die on the cross because you're perfect. He didn't die on the cross because you're good looking. He died on the cross because you were a sinner. And in order to deal with sin and keep you in the vicinity and in the embrace and in the uh, presence of the Father, a lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus was that lamb. Jesus was that catalyst. So that you would find salvation. But that's not it. When we, when, when we get to, when we get to uh, Acts, something's coming down the pipeline. Jesus started this. Because without Jesus dying... He would not be able to send something or someone or the gentleman that you have no idea. See, right now, we don't know who this person is. We don't know what we're getting down the line because we're still not perfect. We have the ability now to connect ourselves with the Father, but Jesus didn't give us that understanding. Jesus made the way. He made the way so that when we get the Holy Spirit, we can be convicted. See, if you didn't know Jesus at the time, you weren't convicted. He didn't bring conviction because only to the people that heard him. Maybe he brought them a new perspective, a new understanding, but the work that he did at the cross saved you. But the power of salvation, the power of redemption, the understanding of salvation and redemption, the redeeming of mankind, the restoration, restoring the paying the debt, restoring the uh, the debtor to the original status. Do you know how how, how divine that is? This isn't like writing a check and paying off your credit card bill. This isn't like like you go to the bank and you pay off your house note. This is eternity that we're speaking about here. What Jesus did was eternal. I, I don't know if anybody can really wrap their, their mind around it. We say we do. We say all the right words. But do we really understand what Jesus did for us at the cross? He took what was 
unholy. That's right. Unholy. That's you. It's me. That's us. And he took what was impure. You, me, and us. Well, Pastor Rick, you, you, you can't call me impure. I try my best to be a good person. Well, I tell you what, as soon as you were born, you were a sinner. The cute little baby and the little blanket and the bonnet and the booties. It, still a sinner. We're a sinner until we accept the fact by faith that Jesus is the Christ and Jesus resurrected. But the power of salvation was released into humanity. Now you know who you are, and now you know who you're not. Now you know that you have been called. You see, there's no going back. There's no going back. When, once you accept Jesus, there, there ain't no going back. You, you, you can act like you, you, you went back to the, to the old school, to the old way of life, but you, you're always in the presence of God. You know, people would say, once saved, always saved. Uh, let's, let, let's, just get, let's just push that aside for right now. Whole nother topic. But what Jesus did at the cross saved you. If you were an addict, he saved you. If you were in jail, he saved you. If you're a cusser or a boozer or whatever it is, he saved you. And all you have to do is agree to that effort done on Calvary. What Jesus endured, what he went through, every nail, every strike, every whip, every thorn was for you. And then he sends Satan a big old message. He sends the devil a big old message like he nailed it on his forehead. I always thought, you know that, that little sign, Henry, that, that they put up there uh, on Jesus' head? Jesus went up to Satan in the spiritual, and he slammed a hammer right through his, the, Satan's forehead with that same thing. Because what he did loosed man from the eternal grips of the satanic. See, man can't be touched by Satan anymore. He could have. He, he was in the garden, tempted. Ooh. All through life. Ooh, a life without Jesus. All, all of that uh, uh, coming to the, the, uh, across the wilderness, coming out of the wilderness, the Israelites. And finally, we get into the New, we get into the New Testament, and now we get down to brass tacks. You have now entered a time. where you are to be fully convinced. Nobody ain't going to talk you into salvation. It's already been done. You can buy all the books you want, read all the pamphlets you want, read all the handouts you want, watch all the TV you want, but the work has already been done. I wrote one note here because this, 
the Holy Spirit was speaking out. Knowing that the time that we're in, we're in a time that we know that the word is truth and the truth is not in recital. Jesus didn't recite anything. Jesus was the word. He didn't hear what he spoke to regurgitate it. He spoke what the father said, what the father had authored, what the father was speaking to him since the three are one. So the word stood in front of the disciples. The word stood in that, in that tomb for a moment. But it was not in recital. Reciting a verse, it ain't going to save you. Reciting the whole Bible is not going to save you. But the word needs to be resident in your heart. When the word is resident in your heart, what you speak is the word. And we are in a time where recital and mechanics and tradition need to be tossed in the garbage because the word is not in that. The word is in your heart. The devil tried to stop the word from the resurrection so that if the devil won, you would die. But the devil lost. The plan of the enemy in your life or for your life is broken. It was broken at the cross. It was broken because a nail went through the right hand and because a nail went through the foot. It was broken because he resurrected. Because death couldn't hold him. Revelation chapter, uh, chapter 21, verse 4. And he will wipe away every tear from your eye. Why are you crying? He's not here anymore. You're looking in the wrong place. He's in the process of resurrecting. He's doing something that you could not do. So don't cry any longer. And there will be, there will no longer be death. Death had no power over Jesus. Death has no power over you. There will no longer be sorrow and anguish or crying, or pain. For the former order of things has passed away. Stop stooping and looking in the tomb. You're expecting to find a dead body covered in linen. You're expecting to find something that's connected to the old. The old is past, and the new has arrived. Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. 
I will give you a new heart. Because the old one is no good anymore. I'm going to give you something that you never had. And I'm going to give you a new heart. And I'm going to put a new spirit within you. Because the spirit that you had before was of the world. And what I did and what Jesus did at the cross was something brand new. And I will remove the heart of stone. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17. And I'll stop right here. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Stop calling yourself what you thought you were because Jesus has a different opinion. Stop calling yourself a sinner because the sinner was the old man. You have a new way now of dealing with sin because you're a new creation. You can deal with sin because you can go to the cross and you can say, I repent because Jesus forgave you on Calvary or else you'd be dead or else you'd be in hell. But because he made a way, because he was the way, the old things, your old understanding, your old spiritual ignorance, it has passed away. doesn't mean that you can't sin. But stop calling yourself what Jesus died for, the sinner. He died for the sinner. He died for the sinner. He died for the old man. And you are not that any longer. The renewing. It says here at the very end, all things have become new depending on on the version you're reading, it's either renew or new, but in the Greek, the new is a renovation. The old building that you used to be has been destroyed. The old structure that you were before has been destroyed. Jesus made a mention. He made a reference that the Pharisees could not understand. It sparked uh, hatred towards Jesus. And they said, uh, Jesus said, I'm going to tear the temple down and I'm going to raise it up in three days. And that's exactly what he did. You being the structure, you being the temple, you being the oldness, Jesus destroyed you. And he made you brand new again by resurrecting. He gave you a chance to do what you didn't do before. John chapter 15, verse 7. He says, remain in me. And my words remain in you. Remain in me and remain, and he will remain in you. Stay put. The world is trying to pull you away. Stay put. Don't move. Stay put in the words. Stay put in his presence, and he will remain in you. 